Um, I'm fantastic. I'm still in a high after seeing the latest franchise installment of Scream um, only a couple of days ago. I still don't know where I am, how I think about it. I know we'll get into that a little bit more later on. But yeah, I'm fantastic. And I feel on a high after such a long wait. You will know this. I will know this. Some other people who we, we tweet and, you know, converse back and forth will know that we waited for that moment for a year to to come into fruition and it was uh it was almost glorious some might say to see it in its entirety it really was and like this is how we became friends i think just bonding over the screen movie and we're both huge fans we're going to get into the, the latest one in the series but before that how did you become a fan of the screen movies what was your, your introduction to them I never knew I was into horror until I saw Scream um, and that's the that's the truth of it. I remember when I was a kid, my sister uh, accidentally when she was babysitting me put on the um, Nightmare on Elm Street TV series which didn't last that long and I remember being terrified by it and I remember jumping behind the couch and being like really scared but always kind of thinking I wonder actually what happened and I started with Scream on Scream 2 funnily enough I was being babysat and the girl who babysat me, I was at that age where I probably shouldn't have been watching it, but I, I, I was watching it. And the girl who babysat me was like, oh, we're going to watch a scary film. Are you sure it's okay? And I was like, yeah, 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 that's no problem. Put it on within about seven minutes, she fell asleep, right? And I then realized that I was in somebody else's house being babysat. It was an overnight thing. The lights were off. My babysitter was asleep. And Scream 2 was just on the table. <laughs> and I watched it and I was so terrified that I almost think that any terror and horror that was going to go through me about horror films left my body in that one evening. And the moment that the two killers were revealed and it was kind of coming to the climax, she woke up and I was almost this enthralled child. And then it made me have to go back to watch Scream 1 again, which obviously had been released. It's kind of similar to what's happened with the last two installments this time. They did one, it was so popular that they quickly released at number two. And so I didn't have too long to kind of wait between the two. And from then on, the slasher genre and everything around the whodunit mixed with glamorous women um, well-known faces and my love of gore and just the thrill of the excitement of a phone call. Um, has just, been, has just been everlasting since then, I suppose. You mentioned it there, like, kind of the, the fabulous nature of it. I was at a screening in the lighthouse and usually, especially for a horror film, it's people who are XL size wearing medium t-shirts. For this though, I was surrounded by the youngest and most beautiful of the LGBT community, kind of looking around, what's going on? You're far younger and cooler than I am. 
what is it about Scream that appeals to that demographic? I appreciate that, but I actually don't think we're too far in age. I just had a lot of work done. <laughs> I I just look like I could be a little bit younger than maybe some people. Um, I think the demographic are kind of, the, the love of Scream 5 and especially Scream 6 is all to do with nostalgia. The return of Hayden Pantier, the return of Gail, the discussion about Sydney not being there. It's all to do with nostalgia and it's why we love Scream. And I think that the generation that live today, especially from an LGBTQ plus point of view, because we're all freaks and geeks when it comes to being LGBTQ. I speak for myself and I speak for a lot of people who I, who I know. Um, and as horror fans, they also are a set of freaks and geeks. It's kind of like a similar genre. So we all kind of compile into the one and just be freaks and geeks together. And I think nostalgia just is a really big kicker to that. We love to look back, but we also are dying to look forward. We like to see how the, the old has become the new. And I think with Scream 6 and Scream 5, more so Scream 6, um, we really got to dive into that because it's, an old story just told brand new. It's Ghostface who is now something different, but he's something we still remember and love. And you've touched on there something that I think why this has gone on so well, like the likes of Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy. It's the same character every time, whereas Ghostface has changed over the film. We've never had the same Ghostface twice. And I think that aspect of Scream is why you could keep going and keep reinventing it and essentially run it into the ground and milk it for every penny you can get. <laughs> Absolutely. And funny story, right? And this is kind of a little bit topical. I was talking to somebody who had never seen one single uh, installment of Scream, right? And it was another drag queen by the name of Lavender. And she emailed me and said, or she voice noted me and said, I've never watched Scream. Where should I start? And I said, start from the beginning. I said, but I want to go on this journey with you because I'm so jealous that you, I, I can't watch it again for a very, the very first time. She messaged me after one, right? And said, she was like, yeah, like, it's great, but I, I don't know how I feel about the fact that there's going to be somebody else behind the mask. And I was like, what? That's, that's why this, that's why there's six of them. That's why it's so easy to reinvent this series is because like this recent move to New York, you know, the returns to Woodsboro, the college situ situation, you can reinvent this whole story and the directors ready or not have literally, not ready or not. Um, oh my God. Oh my God. What's the name? Give me the name. Of the director, sorry, uh, Tyler. Uh, I'm going completely back here. Radio silence. Radio yeah, silence. Uh, Matt Alpin and Tyler Gillet. Tyler Gillet. Sorry, God. Um, but that's that's why it makes it so interesting is because they can completely now reinvent the story every single time, and because they are so iconic in what they do, especially when it comes to this style of genre. We could see Scream 12, and I guarantee you we will still be interested. I feel that there's been more of a buzz with Scream 6 than there was with Scream 5 because I think that people are jumping on the bandwagon now. We, Me and you, we've been there since 3, 4, you know, 5 came in, and now 6. It's just interesting to see how a lot of other people who never spoke about Scream before because it might not have been too cool are now jumping on the bandwagon of 6 being like, oh my God, it's the best. It's the best installation in the franchise. I'm like, sit down, Nola. You didn't see <laughs> And I think as well, because one, Scream 4 wasn't particularly good, in my opinion, didn't do as Did well you not as the think other. So? Oh, the whole thing looks like it shot through Vaseline as well, which is, is really off-putting. And I just thought, I thought it was fine. And I, I think with Screen that. 5 not having Wes Craven as well, I think people thought, oh, this is, you know, cha-ching, cash-in time. I do feel that 6 was more of a love letter to what Wes may have done, you know, as the franchise grew. And even, you know, 
as it, as it grew now, I think that that would have been more closer to home. But even with that, like he did a great job with what he did. But I do feel that he may have even enlisted the help of Radio Silence as it moved forward because he's an old he's an older school director, if that makes sense. Do you know this in a way? Yeah, there, and it's something that you don't tend to see, especially in horror movies. Like they reach a certain point, and then for some reason, it's like all their powers are drained, and they're not able to make as good as it was. Like John Carpenter being another example as well, where just you know he's making these you know five star classics, and all of a sudden he's making absolute tosh. Yeah, and I suppose if you look at even Halloween Kills, I think that a lot of horror fans were terrified that it was going to be, it was going to be a repeat of that situation that we had two really good installments of Halloween that we were kind of on board with and we could really get behind. And then number three, for a lot of people, I'm not saying everybody, but for a lot of people, that kind of as the end of the franchise really disappointed a lot of people. And that was my biggest that was my biggest fear going into Scream 6 was that although the reviews had been great and it's like a near near sigh of relief, but I wanted to see it myself because I do remember leaving five and kind of going, yeah, it's it's great. And I loved it, but there definitely was some moments that I, I would have liked to have seen better. Um, and I, I felt that with six, there was one or two things, but less with six than there was with five, if that makes sense. Yeah, we'll get into to six now. We have the, the new core four, uh, Sam, Tara, uh, Mindy and Chad. What's your take on them? How do you think they stack up compared to the, the original core members? I think you, you you really can't beat an original set of people. Um, and, you know, talking about Sydney Gale, do we like they are that they they're the trio that we all grew to love. And as time has moved on, you know, we are welcoming these new characters into in, into our lives and into what will be, you know, possibly Scream 7 if if the if the box office makes what it's talking to make, you know, 50 million, they're yeah. saying 50 million dollars in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I love them as a core four. Could I have lost one or two in this in this installment? Absolutely. Did I? No spoilers. I won't say anything in case. I was I just going to say we can spoil away here. OK, amazing. Would I have lost one? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think in order to push the plot along just that little bit and not to not to be too precious about the franchise, I probably would have lost one. Um, but as a core four, I do, th- as, a, as a core four, I think it's strong. And I think leading into seven, we could possibly see a cull and a cut. Um, I do like every single character. I think Chad, this, this, this franchise installment, he kind of wipes the floor with everybody else, realistically, as his character in five was that dumb jock and that, you know, I'm just there to kind of fill and look pretty. But in six, he really makes his mark. And the love interest there that he has kind of going on as well, it really leads us into, it really leads us into something that Sydney never had. She never had the boyfriend throughout, if that makes sense. She, she always had a boyfriend, but was always terrified they were going to try and kill her in the next scene, <laughs> sort of way. Um, so yeah, as a, as a core four, I like them, but could I lose one? Absolutely. And I think we absolutely should have because at the end it was there was nearly laughs beside me. It's like Mindy was killed. It's Chad, you mentioned Chad is skewered by two separate ghost faces. Like they literally are turning him to a, a kebab. And then all of a sudden he just magically reappears. Yeah, he's got that that blanket that apparently has, you know, healing powers. Gail as well. I know they were kind of I'd say they were on the fence if we ever get rid of Gail and we can't bring back Sydney. That's nobody of the, the core three that we can do. So I'd say they were a bit apprehensive on to do that. <laughs> Although I was upset by Gail's death, what I thought was her death, I always said to myself, in my through my tears of watching it, when I was like literally crying my eyes out, and I was also throwing a heart signal to Pamela Joyce from Today FM, 
across from me and she was bawling her eyes and she wasn't sitting beside me. So I was like, are you okay? Babe? <laughs> okay, okay. But as she was kind of, as I thought Gail's eyes were closed and that was the end of Gail Weathers, in a part of me went, okay, accept it and move on. And, you know, Sydney can return for seven and then we'll wait and see how it goes from there. Especially because Gail's part was, was, small enough to not completely miss her if she was to go. As for Mindy, I would have liked to have seen her leave the situation and, you know, be left on the Lewis as she was <laughs> or dead. But you're right with Chad, when they were hacking away at him, like I would at a turkey at Christmas, I literally was saying to myself, I was like, I'm kind of raging because I really like his character, this this one, and I'm. But you know, you, you move on. But yeah, I think somebody should have gone, and I definitely think it should have been Mindy. And I think as well, you had Mindy as the kind of the, the juxtaposition there, where you had she's basically playing the Randy character. This Randy, of course, got killed in the, the second scream. If you're doing a remake of that, then as well, essentially, it, it's a nice bit of comparison that the two Randy characters get killed off in the second one. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're dead right. And I, I thought that one of the twin ships should have been going, because then if it's leading into seven the other set of the twin has like almost a battle to prove if that makes sense or there's there's a there's a point yeah. to prove um but all around the the kills and the gore and the just the general ghost-faced behavior was kind of iconic i was terrified when the opening scene when the opening scene came because and i'm laughing i was reading tweets everyone was talking about samara weaving's accent and there was a whole thread on twitter where somebody was like god it's so awful and i wish they had changed it and then someone just wrote, wrote underneath it you do know she's actually Australian, <laughs> and that's her actual accent and i i was like god yeah but she, it does sound and i don't know that you'll agree it does sound like she's really hamming up some sort of australian accent at the start it's like when you hear Jamie Dornan do an Irish accent, you're like, why is he doing that for? It's like, no, that is actually how he speaks. It's like, well, maybe go back to the English or American because that, that doesn't look like it's coming out of your mouth. I think it's like if Carol from Fair City and McCoy's got a job in Australia, <laughs> she'd literally, you'd literally be like, good day, mate. That's exactly how it kind of sounded. And what I kind of knew she, I, from the get-go when they were teasing her and they were teasing the pictures, I kind of knew she was going to be the first kill because it would just be very... It would kind of be iconic behavior for Radio Silence to kind of put one of their favorite actresses into this franchise, but lose her really quickly, a la Drew, Barry, Drew Barrymore in Scream 1. And I really, really like that scene as well, because you had that great moment where the, the killer pulls off the mask and you see who it is. And I thought, oh, oh, they're doing the cult. They're doing the, you know, there was the, the rumor of the abandoned uh, script for Scream 3, where it was supposed to be a cult led by Matthew Lillard's character, but then obviously yes. Columbine happened and that, and that got scrapped. And I just got so, I was like, oh, they're doing the, the cult. And then when he had the second killer, I was like, brilliant, brilliant. And I think that's why I kind of fell flat coming out because you have the reveal and I'm just waiting for him to pull off the mask and for it to be, you know, Stu Macker's smiling face at us. And it wasn't. And instead we get Dermot Mulrooney, who is pushing it to a level that I think Nicholas Cage will watch this film and go, you probably could have toned it down a bit there, man. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. If I right. Okay. I read your review, and I I was I was a little bit disappointed because for me that reveal of the three ghost faces together, I just felt was iconic. The double the double clean swipe of the knife was just yes. something out of this world, and I actually remember gasping so loud that my partner was like, "Shh." I was like, oh, I'm, sorry. <laughs> "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." Because I think. When I saw Scream 5, I was in I was in the Lighthouse Cinema for the very first screening and 
I was only with Scream fans. So it made a lot of sense to gasp and to, you know, applaud and stuff like that. But with this one, because there was influencers and things around us, every time I gasped, I was like, oh, Paul, hold yourself together, hold yourself together. <laughs> Going back to the going back to the final three. First of all, I loved the idea of it being a final three. Second of all, I loved the idea that it wasn't a cult because I, with my Ghostface Killers, I want to I want to know they have a story behind them. I want to know that there's a reason why they're there. Be it revenge, be it something that's gone wrong, and you know all the rest of it. And it really kind of played true. I I really enjoyed it. I don't know where you. I don't know why you just didn't love it. I think because I'm such a huge Matthew Lillard fan as well. And I don't have like like the reaction in my, I think we were sitting in two very different sections was when that happened. They're like, oh, I'm Richie's father. And the person behind me just went, who's Richie? Like, which one is he? And like, I don't think that it has, like obviously it doesn't have the nostalgia that the other films have. It's only two years old. But I thought that was a bit kind of like, wait, what? And then even the explanation of, you know, oh, I bought my son all this, or, you know, I stole essentially all this horror evidence and then built a museum in new york and i was like wait what none of this really you know you could drill holes in the straight away no none of the, the screen films but it was all it was very a very linear progress as to why they were doing what they were doing whereas here it was like kind of get why you're doing it. it just seems a bit elaborate for what you're doing but did you not find though that's what this was one of the plot holes that i found with five is that i didn't enjoy the fact that it was just two random people who met each other on a website who got together and then decided because they were such fans of, of, a, of a film that they were going to go out and do it. Whereas, like I said, you obviously love the cult idea and then other people on the other side love the idea of the revenge. Talk about Mrs. Loomis and Scream 2. That, that goes down as one of the most iconic things in, in history for me to kind of for her to reveal who she was and why she was there. And then it's like when you think back to her just lurking around the college grounds as things were happening and you just kind of saw in the right or wrong moments that was iconic and I do get what you're saying Dermot Mulroney's take of the character was a little bit oversold I remember thinking to myself somebody give that boy a lozenge because he <laughs> has the lowest voice known to man but a part of me was thinking is he trying were they trying to make him the new Dewey and because Dewey had that kind of drawl that you know, he almost put on because of the Dewey character. I thought they were maybe trying to emulate that in a way. And then as time went on, but the switch between the switch between detective during the film towards the end of the film, when he just went off and turned into this kind of crazed clown monster man who was getting revenge for his son, Richie. I just, I don't know. I, I, I throw away the devil may care plot hole and the map that I'm trying to guide myself through scream six and just said, just bloody enjoy it. Just enjoy what it is. I think because he was so out there as the detective as well, like the bit where Quinn is supposedly dead and he comes out and he's just so, is that my daughter? And you're like, oh, okay. It's, yeah, no, they're, they're going too far to make me think it's not him. The little and stumble I, against the wall for me. Oh, Jesus. And, yeah. <laughs> and then like the fake tear, like the no, the non-fake tear. Uh, I was I was a little bit like, okay, but look, let's we can praise it all, all day long. But I also want to talk about the negatives in the situation. That being one of the negatives, there was certain points where I kind of didn't believe his character and I didn't believe this bravado of like a cop. And I feel like there could have been somebody out there who may have. Uh, played it better in a way absolutely there's also the, the the fact that there was a little bit too much lovey-dovey you know pinky promise moments happening within the middle I would say the, the, after the first hour kind of before the second hour really kicked in they just all seemed to be a bit too like 
high school musical we're all in this together you know cue the cue the dance routine and that kind of annoyed me because I was like okay yeah I get it that we all have to build a friendship and build a form but we've done all that in Scream 5 now we're here to see Ghostface take New York but then out of nowhere it ramped up and it the train didn't stop until the very last stop and that for me kind of saved the day what did you make of the New York set? Because I was very excited about this, obviously, like the, the Friday the 13th, the Jason Takes Manhattan, you've got like the iconography of Times Square. You've, you've so many things you could have done. And with the exception of like a bodega, which is obviously a very New York thing, and the subway, it didn't really do anything with the location, I felt. Yeah, I hear you. I, I Like, you're right. You could have you could have put me in the middle of Times Square. You could have put me in Madison Square Gardens, you know, and, and done something along those like a basketball game or some, you know, that sort of way. But I feel what they did was within the remit to keep it going. But was there moments for was there moments for more? Absolutely. I think I kind of want to watch it for the third time and really kind of take it in. Because, you know, for the first time I watched it, but, you know, you're a film reviewer, you have to take everything in. But me, I just sat there as one of the biggest Scream fans in the country and just went, God, I'm just going to eat all this up. And then the second time you kind of do the same. And the third time now, which I'm going to go this weekend, I really kind of want to get to the nitty gritty. I did the same with five and I'll do the same with six and really get to the nitty gritty kind of before you, you, you make your judgment. But was the move from Woodsboro, was the move from the college setting a plus? absolutely because it just meant there could be more carnage like Mindy got killed on a subway in the middle of a load of people and it just I was like oh oh god oh god I yeah no it, it wasn't going to get any better for me and if you've ever been on a New York subway that's probably the third strangest thing that's happened in that car that day <laughs> yeah you, yeah and again you made a good point as well I do I do have that kind of mindset initially where I'm I'm trying to analyze everything as it's going you know make sure I know you know recognize teams and things like that and it's always the second time around I can watch it as a fan then which is what happened with the last stream I wasn't maddened at the first time and then the more I watched I was like oh yeah this is just you know it's a sugar rush essentially and I think hopefully I'll enjoy it did you agree that there was too many lovey-dovey moments in in this film there was, and the High School Musical is a great thing. It's the just constant chanting of, of Core 4 was grating on me as well. And I think, I don't know about you, I, I really think you miss Sydney Prescott. And they had that throwaway line, oh, she's had her happy ending with, you know, the, the I, raging they left her with Patrick Dempsey, who was like the worst of the love interests that she was laboured with. And he's McDreamy and everything. But that doesn't feel like, like Sydney. Like if something like this happens, she's going to show up. And I think fair play to her for standing her ground. And I think someone needed to step in here, maybe take some of Dermot Mulroney's um, Spanish soap opera acting budget out and, and give it on to, to Nev Campbell. Yeah, like, I don't know. I felt at, at one point, I felt that that script could have been rewritten to make it a little bit more, you know, a little bit more realistic or even some sort of phone call situation that could have happened or, you know, because I get the fact that she went into hiding. She's gone into hiding. She's taken her kids. She's had enough. She's had six bout or five bouts of this. She doesn't want to go through a sixth right now. Um, so I do feel there was a weakness there to, to, to exit her out of this installment, but I also kind of get it. And as when they mentioned her, I kind of went, Oh yeah, Sydney. And then I literally reverted right back into the film I was watching because I think we all had time to prepare and yes absolutely should have, she should have been paid the money she was she deserved because she is the original Scream Queen um, but, and do I think that they're going to have to shell out now with Seven to make sure that she lands it and and not just lands the film 
but also lands the likes of, you know, the press situation for after and to really amp up seven, because if it's going to be the bitter end, it really has to land as good as, as six has. And I pray, I'm praying to watch the figures go up, up and up over the opening weekend so that they can offer Sydney the money she deserves. And we, as a, as a fandom, can kind of get maybe possibly the ending for now that we deserve. I think this will lend itself. Like it's weird that we watched. I saw Creed three just before that, and that's a Rocky film that didn't have Rocky because of contract um, issues with Sylvester Stallone. I think a horror murder mystery could lend itself a bit better. Where if you bring back Nev Campbell, I know that she's obviously going to get the questions on the press or why weren't you paid what you wanted, and they could say, "Well, this is part of you know the, the mystery that we had for this one." And I think one of the reasons I didn't enjoy, it, I'd completely invented an ending in my head where Stu had uh, Sydney Prescott's character kidnapped and that was like going to be the big reveal at the end obviously that didn't happen and I can't give out about a film because I'd made up an ending in my head before I saw it but I think yeah they need to back up the Brinks truck and get her in and make something really special like they gave Jamie Lee Curtis for the, the, the Halloween reboot I thought that was she was extremely well written and that I think you do need to evolve that character somewhat and give it like you said the ending it's deserved speaking of the ending where would you like to see that go in the next film I kind of, can I just say, I've never heard that, the, you never told me that, um, that possible ending that you have with Stu holding Sydney hostage. And I actually think that that is bloody genius. Like I fully think. Uh, I had convinced myself of that. I was just like, this is, this all, this is a bit of a smoke screen now because there's no way they would let the main character go and then publicly say, oh, it was because we didn't pay her enough. I just, I was waiting for the big twist. Oh, we've got Sydney Prescott here and here's Stu. And I would have just been dancing out of the cinema. Well, realistically, if you, you wouldn't even need to show that it was Sydney. It could have been, if, if you think about it, it could have been two people, two killers for Scream 6 who were working on behalf of somebody else, which you only realise towards the end. And then a FaceTime call with, say, Stu, or you see Stu and he has somebody masked and, you know, a bag over their head and that's the end. To, to, to have that sort of ending would have been relatively iconic. Um, but... They could easily set that up within 15 minutes of a Scream 7 and make that the new story for Scream 7. And, you know, you've got um, you've got McDreamy back as the husband and the kids are the kids are taken hostage and all the rest of it. Like, you just don't know when it comes to thinking about an ending. God, I definitely would like to lose. This sounds awful, but I definitely think that either Sam or Tara, one of those could could leave the franchise as a as a as a Dewey style death. I actually thought if she was going to fall off the balcony in Scream Six, I again like the Gale situation. I'd kind of said to myself, I'd resign myself, resign myself to kind of say, okay, she's going, she's going, she's going, and we'll move forward in a different direction because of Jenna Ortega's career in the last mm. in the last twelve months and what she's done with film and, and TV and all the rest of it. I thought, okay, we're going to say goodbye, especially now she's apparently signed up to Beetlejuice Two. Um, you don't know. I, I just think like, I agree with you. I think Jenna Ortega, I'd say they were checking her contract from Wednesday came. I was like, we do have her signed up for three films. Yeah, she's not getting killed in this one because she's only going to go up and up. And I think this is about Has the sixth version. Three? Of, everyone had signed up for three initially. Oh, see, this is why you're the pro. And I just I just listened to you. I didn't know that. So she's obviously clearly done it now for three. So we have to have her in three, which which is great. But like I say, then she could be the one we lose in seven if that's needed, if that's needed, you know, and it could be a battle between who's going to be, who's going to be saved between her and Sydney and we see Sydney. But again, 
because it's seven, we could lose the original screen queen and just and say goodbye because in 20 years time and Nev Campbell's still rocking around and looking for a gig, we just do a Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween on it and completely <laughs> restyle the story. Uh, yeah, we have a steel marker could be like Hannibal Lecter. She's going to visit him in the uh, in the asylum. <laughs> she's living. She's living in a cottage in the middle of the woods that looks like you know Mountjoy Prison. I'm, I'm just. I'm really not letting go of this steel marker thing until Matthew Lillard shows back up. Now I just will not rest. What would you if you were to rank the film out of five or give it a rating out of five? What would you give it for Scream Six? Four point eight. Ooh. Yeah, I have to. I I couldn't give you a clear four because it's better than four. It's not the full five, and I'm not disappointed by that whatsoever because I feel like those that point two could come in number seven and stuff like that. And like I would have given the four for Scream Five, and I'm giving the four point eight for Scream Six, um, because it definitely felt richer. It felt more expensive. It felt gorier. It felt more work was put in, which is so strange because it was greenlit so quickly and filmed so quickly that I was, I was terrified that it was going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a rush job, but this was no rush job whatsoever for me. Everything fit into place and, and kind of landed as it should for me. One thing I'll say, it it looked absolutely beautiful. I think as well, go back to to Creed 3, which I saw the week before, it looked absolutely garbage. And I think it it just looks like the whole thing was made on a green screen. That's about 20 feet wide. Oh no, because I've, I've not really been into the, the, the Creed style thing, but when I saw Three was out, I said to myself, no, do you know what? That's the sort of film that I love, but I'll go from the top to the bottom. So that disappoints me now that it's not, um, it's not completely up to standard. But no, with Scream 6, I, 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 left, I left open mouths. I left so happy and I just left buzzing. Like I had about, I had about a load of texts on my phone from my friends that I just... I just left my phone down because I said to myself, I can't even process thinking about things. I just need to think about what I've just seen for the last two hours. I saw something there and I was thinking of you on the poster, uh, Stab the Musical. And you people I audition? Yeah, I will. As, as the creative director <laughs> for Anthem and a choreographer, you have at your own stage school, Pride Dance Academy. How would you do Stab the Musical? Oh my goodness. Do you know what I would do? I would pull, I would pull every angry song so do you know the way we've got moulin rouge which is obviously the they they use songs that have been around in the past yeah. um, and juliet is another one where they use old school pop songs i would do that and i would pull some of the most iconic songs regarding you know hurt death fire and i would insert them into scream the musical and get Leah Michelle to play Sydney Prescott and <laughs> have her murdered at the end. No, <laughs> no, but I think you could definitely do something. You could definitely do something very eerie and very, you know, very spooky. And like, listen, if, if the gig is going, Andy, I'll take it. <laughs> I would pay to see a ghost face drag. And I, I actually was doing research for it. You did actually do a night called Drag Me to Hell, which looked absolutely unbelievable. I was like, oh, I had a great idea. And you've done it about five years prior. <laughs> and we did we did a full force Scream number. I must send you the number we did uh, with Scream. We did a gig um, for a company called Holy, Holy Trinity in Manchester. And myself, Victoria's Secret, Pixie Wu and Regina George were alternatively known as Dragged Up. We did a full screen number with ghost face masks and everyone got murdered and everyone got stabbed in the end. And uh, we finished it with Murder on the Dance Floor by Sophia. <laughs> so there you go. Brilliant. That just goes to show my, my, my screen love. I was the one who was spearheading that. 
How do you think you would do in a screen film? What, what, what role do you think you would play in it? Oh, babe, I'd be gone first. I'd <laughs> be gone first. I'd be the one to be running away from him and I'd accidentally trip and fall on a park, on a park gate and end up <laughs> spearheaded at the end. I'd love to turn to you and say, I would be um, Sydney Prescott bitter till, the, bitter till the very end, but I just know I'm a fool. I'd end up tripping and falling and, and murdering myself, to be honest. I reckon you'd be a good killer. Oh, oh, I would, you know, in any which way walk of life, all I want to do is use the voice changer and take off the mask and say something iconic like, hello, Peggy, a la Sharon Watts. <laughs> As she takes over the the, the, the Queen's Vic. <laughs> Something iconic and that's where you landed on. <laughs> I just think you're someone who's used to slaying and you yeah, can change okay. our costume very quickly back into your, your street clothes. So I think that, that is something that Ghostface needs to be able to do. It needs to, you know, attack you at the front door and then, you know, be in your, your, you know, your shirt and trousers at the back. They're going, oh, I didn't know uh, something, something going on here. <laughs> I think I'd be a good mastermind. I think I could be the one to, I'd be great at choreographing the situation as to who should be, you know, where. So, you know, I could, I could, I could, I could lend myself to that. <laughs> I could yeah. see at the end the stroke and the cat, as the chair turns around. It was me all along, Sydney. <laughs> no, but I definitely think that I would, I would like to, I would like to kind of put myself into the CC Cooper sort of role. Do you know that kind of the iconic girl who, who's just literally simply sitting at home being the sober sister. And all of a sudden she's getting chased through the house and, and slain through the house. I really, uh, I really kind of would lend myself to that role. Sober sister is not the role I would immediately think for you, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. I'm joking. <laughs> Actually, we'll just fly through. We'll just go through a couple. You mentioned there Scream 2. Scream 2 has for me one of, one of the all-time great line deliveries from Portia de Rossi, who goes up after Sydney's been attacked and says, Hi. Oh, no, no. I really mean that. Hi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine, weirdly enough, one of my weird things is if you remember Hallie and oh. Sydney, Sydney punches uh, Gail for the second time and she just turns to, turns to the cameraman and goes, did you get that on film? <laughs> <laughs> and your man turns back and goes, yes, I got that on film. I literally always just howl when I, when I see that. And that always, always makes me think, of the things that we never got to see, you know, Hallie being another killer, a possible other killer in what we should have had in Scream 2. And then the character, I can't remember her name, um, in Scream 3, who should have been Roman Bridger's accomplice. Oh, Emily Mortimer played her. Emily Mortimer played her. I can't remember the character she played. I want to say Anna, but I know I'm completely wrong. But um, she was obviously playing Sydney Prescott in the new Stab film, and she should have been Roman Bridger's second as a as a as a killer um, and it just didn't work out because i think of leaks and stuff like that like you'd love to kind of see the extra footage that they kind of got of those sorts of bits because obviously they filmed them even though the 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 leaks happened you would love to see those bits that we never saw and also find out about anything else that we never saw there is a book and i literally am sitting looking at it here and um, that goes through scream one two and three and it kind of gives you some tidbits of information but i want to hear from the horse's mouth i want kevin williams to, to sit down i want aaron kruger to sit down and give us all the things that we never really that we never really knew and understood and just on that on scream to joel the the cameraman i i love the fact that he turned and goes look i read the book i'm getting the fuck out of here this is ridiculous <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get killed and just leaves and survives <laughs> Yeah, where's he? What's he doing now? <laughs> Joel is going to be the killer in screen. So, well, they're bringing everyone back. So he's the only one that's still left. 
bring him back for screen seven. Do you know, that's in a way, maybe, maybe he can be a new cameraman and him and Gail can, can do it all over again. And that, that would be pretty iconic. And also it wouldn't have be too overplayed. Like you could believe that, that all of a sudden he was sent on assignment as, as a cameraman and he ended up kind of bumping into Gail and, it, and it's a whole different conversation. And I, I actually love Scream too. And obviously it has the, like the opening night of Stab, like that's the first night of that film and it's the worst fucking crowd to be with in history. People run up and down in costume and all I keep thinking is more than Jada Pinkett Smith deserved to be killed in that cinema. Uh, tell me this and tell me anymore because I'm interested to see because the one thing I'm looking now that I'm on Twitter, I'm looking at people's, um, their rankings and I want to know, has yours changed now that six is out or are you still are you still on the same ranking i'm still on the same ranking which so, is so i mine would be scream one okay scream two yeah three okay are you all right five six what? four i can I'm see four. six going above five four is your last yeah the, the the opening scene, the multiple fake outs, drove okay. me absolutely mad. The whole thing looks like it's shot in Vaseline, and it's just the 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 kind of the reveal at the end. I was like, eh, yeah. Did they of. ever did they ever explain why it looked like it was shot in Vaseline? Has there ever been an explanation as to why that actually happened? No, they just wanted it to look in in soft focus. I think the the inspiration for the the cinematography said he wanted it to look like a soap opera. I was like, but why? Okay, I and can I ask you? Um, did you hit your head about screen three being in third position or what's the crack there? I, I think that is very underrated. I think the reveal is terrible. And I don't like the fact that kind of retcons one that he's behind it. I think Parker Posey and Patrick Warburton are absolutely fantastic in it. I love the Parker fact. Parker Posey you think is fantastic in that film. Uh, her and Gail together is that's the spinoff. I wanted the two of them going off solving <laughs> things on their own. I thought she was, do you not enjoy her in that? No, I really didn't. I thought she was way too ham. I thought Jenny, um, oh, not Jenny McGuire. That's Jenny, Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. I thought Jenny McCarthy was also, it was almost like they were trying to make a stab out of Scream 3. It really, it just didn't. Only for the saviour of Gail's Fringe and Sydney Press <laughs> performance. And Patrick Dempsey, weirdly enough, because... I kind of liked the strong male character that he, that he brought into the situation. Um, I didn't mind Roman Bridger as the killer, but I would have liked that second killer to be there because it just didn't read. It just did, I know we can't say that the killers can be everywhere at, at any point, but it just didn't read too good to me that he was on his own doing the whole thing. It just didn't I seem... I thought Dempsey was a weirdo on that. He was like, oh, yeah, I'll see ghosts. And then he shows up at the end with the popcorn. I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing here? No, no, you're not part of this group. Like, get out. Ah, uh, But listen, he was... He, they were obviously kind of similar to what they did with Dermot Mulroney. They were trying to tease him as a possible killer because they're trying to tease everybody, especially when it comes to the strong male character who may be a love interest, love interest to Sidney Prescott. Of course, they're trying to make him out that he could be... that he could be a killer. Do you know that sort of way? If she ended up with any of the cops, I wanted to be the partner. The partner was brilliant. The little, they, the little man. Uh, when they turn around and go, do you think this might be, you know, his death might be related to the movie? He's like, he was shooting a movie called Stab. He was stabbed. And then just puts his hands <laughs> up like, am I the only one that sees this? Another thing, I, again, I'll give another defense of Scream 3 as well. 
I like that it had that like you know the the critical view of Hollywood where it was like she had this you know abusive producer played by Lawrence uh, Henderson who's basically a Weinstein character the irony being these films were produced by Harvey Weinstein who I presume didn't have the the self-reflection enough to look at that and go are you making a film about me yeah if you think about how that if you think about how that transpired over the over the years and how that wasn't how that wasn't kind of brought up because you know it was just very kind of like it, it was touching touching the bone a little bit pardon the poem but it was touching the, po- the bone a little bit in the grand scheme of things and as later life obviously it's now you know fully come to light and and there's been so much discussion over it that you'd like you say you wonder how he didn't kind of go hold up a minute a big a big time lad in Hollywood and here we are what's the crack I don't think he has the the, the self-reflection capacity to do anything like that I think he would not have seen himself in there yeah that's great this guy this Lance Hendrickson is clearly the he's the the hero of the story right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah okay I agree I agree what are uh, your rankings the screen films I'm literally can I just tell you I'm literally looking at my phone because I'm looking at yours and I'm kind of going all right grand I'm going to be majorly controversial here right um two okay six that's all we've got time for this week on <laughs> <laughs> two six one five four three now, okay so the, the obvious one there how is one third on the list because i'm um i'm what's the word i'm looking for i am a lunatic I'm not a lunatic. <laughs> I am superficial in the fact that something new and shiny has come along and I enjoy the new and shiny. I love the old and that's great, but the new and shiny has me enticed. And therefore, because it's right up to date, it it outweighs the original because I've given the original its first place ranking for so many years. I have to give a new ranking so that I can enjoy it in a completely different light. And I know I'm using my TV presenter voice to completely bullshit myself. <laughs> but two for me, I think maybe because I watched, don't forget, I watched two before I watched one. So my love of Scream came from two. Um, so two for me is, is, is my definite cert. Six just has bowled me away. One, as it's the original, deserves its pride and place. Five, when it came out, I was obsessed with it. Um, Four, yeah, I, I get it, you know. And then three, who is she? I don't know why she's still here. Please go back to Hollywood. Yeah, I, I will, I'll give you, I, let's scream two be over scream one. I would kind of go back and forth now. I can, yeah, you, you, again, your, your presenter voice maybe has drawn me there, but I would have six nowhere near one and two for me. I just I can't think that they, put, they can't be touched. I can't believe you put six second last. I feel six will jump over five. But I, I, again, I think it's because I watched Scream, Scream 2 and 3 to absolute death. I could do those films line by line, whereas I'm the opposite. It takes a while for me to get in. You know, I'm, I'm more sensitive than you, Paul. Like, it takes longer yeah. for me to, to get attached to something. I'm not like a, as frivolous as you are. <laughs> us, uh, us guys, we just love to kind of throw out the old and bring in the new. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Trousers, man, you know, it's all the same. Before I go, I just have a one piece of, uh, I'm going to hit you with a, a Scream trivia quiz to see oh, your, no! your, your true. I just have one question for you. Okay. Do you, you know who was, a, there was two people originally offered the role of Sidney Prescott. Do you know who they were? Oh, it, oh, oh, what's her name? Oh my God, was it, she's in Scream 2 then. Uh, was it Tori Spelling originally? Uh-uh. No! On the right kind of track there. Originally, Drew Barrymore was cast as Sydney Prescott. That's who it was. But the weird one then is 
Kevin Williamson was a huge fan of Molly Ringwald and offered her the role of Sydney Prescott, but she turned it down saying she didn't want to be a high school student at 27. Wow. Where am I getting the Tori Spelling? She was Tori originally... Spe- Tori Spelling she... was Gail, originally looking for... Uh, she auditioned, but didn't get it. There you go. I knew there was a Tory spelling in the mix somewhere. And yes, I remember. But wasn't Drew Barrymore, didn't Drew Barrymore say no? She didn't want, she didn't want to sign up to something because they knew they knew it had potential to be something that would have been long term and she didn't want to sign up to it. Am I no, right? she was no, she was cast initially as like this was never supposed to be. I know uh, Kevin Williamson said he had two, it was originally called Scary Movie, it's scary movie two and three, the yeah. outlines for the, the film, but it was never was always supposed to be like just a, a one-off initially. But yeah, she said it would be more impactful. Her uh, comparison, she wants it to be like her psycho moment where you think Janet Lee is going to be the the main uh, protagonist of the story and then obviously gets killed off in the, the famous shower scene. So, excuse me. So, can I do? Can we delete the last five minutes and can we just go again? Because I look like the worst screen fan. <laughs> I'll give you a. We'll move on. Like, like I should have I should have been doing the voice for this now. I'll say, lucky for you, there's a bonus round. <laughs> oh Who turned down the role of Billy Loomis? I'll give you a hint. An Oscar-winning actor. He went on. He won an Oscar for playing you know, someone who's kind of a lunatic as well. To be honest. He went on to play. Okay, well, because you said he went on to play. Um, ah, oh, Joker, Joker. Ah, oh, what's his name? Joaquin Wait, Phoenix. Yes, there you yes, go. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the points for that. <laughs> oh, you. Redeemed yourself there. Just about. Before I let you go, just one more last question I have for you. If you were to take any actor and have them in screen seven. Like anyone who you think would fit well into this universe, who would it be? Oh, would you do, tell me yours? Tell me yours first. Do you have somebody? I think Barry Keown would be perfect I was just, in this. Oh, Andrew, I swear to God, <laughs> I was just about to say, hands down, like my, I've just got goosebumps. I was just about to say Barry Keoghan. And then I was thinking, no, he'll think that I'm being, I, I'm being superficial because he's only currently in the, in the mix now. But I do think that that kind of bad boy, because even to replace... Sam's love interest because a little bit did you what, what did you make of just Josh Segarra in that I, kind of his rock? character might have been called Red Herring yeah he, he was there were two making him to be the killer like straight away I was like no you're going too hard with this it's definitely not him yeah 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 so I kind of would like even somebody like Barry Keoghan and even Colin Farrell jumped into my head there as a cop because that sort of that really plays into his his strength I know we're not going to get him like he's mm. nearly he's yeah. nearly the Oscar at this stage but that sort of kind of cop role for him to be that kind of gritty but also sexy kind of cop role that maybe Gail could, him and him could kind of flirt and not get together and stuff like that I could really kind of see that and also I just want somebody Irish to be in Scream so I can claim it for myself Actually, if Farrell had played the Dermot Mulroney part this film gets 75 more stars and I think we and that's what I- quotes are up the list that's what I mean. That's what I mean when I was saying there, there could have been somebody else to play it. And that kind of gritty, somebody who's not going to take themselves too serious. And as Irish people, and especially as Irish actors, that's, I think, what, what the Irish do. They, they know the role, they know what they have to do, but they don't take themselves too serious and kind of, they can lend themselves in. So that kind of Farrell, Kyogen style may have, may, may have worked a lot better. I think it would. I just, just bring back Lillard. I feel like Ryan Reynolds stole his career and I really just want to see him Get, get what he, the, the career he should have had. <laughs> Actually, Ryan Reynolds, if Ryan Reynolds wasn't going to play Ryan Reynolds, would be a good installment into, into a screen film. But if I, I don't want to see that sarcastic Ryan Reynolds thing that we just get every single film. I think, 
you know, that, you could throw him into Scream Three. But you know what? You're dead right. You're dead right. Throw him into Scream Three and leave him there. Paul, I could talk to you all day about Scream. I re- <laughs> unfortunately we run out of time. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Surprise, Sydney. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track. Where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom.